This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. He's worthy of it all. Worship team, you killed it. Always love being led into worship by our team. Aren't you glad you go to our church where you don't have to suffer through the worship part? You know, it's just such a, such a blessing. I think we just can take for granted sometimes, right? Um, but I'm so um, honored to be able to communicate the word of God to you today. My name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I pastor this church and so glad to have you here. If it's your first time, welcome. We'd love to meet you after service and, and we have church in a school and you know that by now. Um, and we're looking for land and always talking to realtors. Talked to our realtor this week probably about 17 times at least. Um, and so her and I are great friends. And so we, we're constantly looking and God's up to something. Somebody say amen to that. Well, the end of the series is today, the series New Threads. And it, we started this series at the beginning of the month with Back to School Blessing. And we had the principal of this school and the principal of Schlother Intermediate and a bunch of faculty and staff. And we were able to pray over probably over 70 uh, teachers, faculty and staff and hundreds of students that day and bless them and pray protection over them and, and blessing over them in the right friend group that God would put them in the right place at the right time with the right people and uh, just praying over our schools and our teachers and our kiddos. And it was such a great day. And that's when we started this series. That was August the 7th. And then uh, fast forward a few weeks, we're here today, the end of the series. So we're in Colossians chapter 3. Start a new series next week. I'll talk to you about it here in just a little bit. But we're, we're in the middle of a season at, of our church where we're really digging into what these words mean in the Bible. And we are not interested as a church to get up here and entertain you. Um, if you're wondering why there were only two songs in the beginning, at the end of the service, we do what we call response time. And there's four tables on the sides of the room. There's communion response cards where this is not a performance. What Kelly and I or any speaker up here do is not a performance. We're simply just the ones that God gave the microphone to. And we get to communicate the word and then you take it. And while the band leads more songs at the end, you get to respond to what God said to you today. And so get your heart ready for that because today's response time is a little longer. My message notes are only 29 pages instead of the usual 40. So just kidding, y'all calm down. Just kidding. Paul wrote a letter to his friends in Colossae. It's where we get the word Colossians. And he was deeply concerned. And why he was deeply concerned, so much concerned from his jail cell. And he wrote this letter. He was so concerned because the Colossians had taken the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and believed it. And they believed that Jesus was real. And they believed that Jesus died for their sin. But then they also had these group of friends called the Gnostics that were teaching things to them. And the word Gnostic comes from the Greek word gnosko or gnosis. It's thinking, it's thought. And so these people literally were bringing in their um, idea of their personal truth and trying to merge it in with gospel truth. Does that sound familiar to anybody today? And so Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians. He was very concerned. And in Colossians 3, he said, hey, I know these guys said that this is what's going on and that you can choose your own truth and you can choose to identify as whatever you want. But here's actually what God said you're supposed to do. 
Here's actually what God says you're supposed to put on. And then he goes right at it. And so we're going to look at these lists of qualities. It's where New Threads comes from. It's something that we got to put on. Um, and so we're all getting back to school clothes and, you know, not mom and dad. Kids are all getting back to school clothes. And, and so New Threads. We, all of us today have something we need to put on. Every one of us. And it might mean that some of us need to take off those old bell bottoms and put on some new jeans. Metaphorically speaking, there's a season of life that you're still wearing around that is not what Jesus said you are to be. It's time to take it off and put on some new clothes. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, Humility, quiet strength, and discipline. It's a very interesting verse. Paul is lovingly telling them that they need to intentionally put on some things. Now, I read it out of the the message paraphrase. I don't study out of that. It's not a translation. It's just a paraphrase by a Greek and Hebrew scholar. If you want to dig into those words, you can study out of the New American Standard or the Revised Standard or English Standard and really dig into these words. And if you got an old King Jimmy busted out and dusted off, he's good too. And so in week one, we even talked about the bowels of mercy. Do you all remember that? And the first time I've ever said the word bowels from the platform in seven years. But we talked about the word bowels of mercy. It's compassion, deep soul-level compassion that moves you internally. It was very vivid description that Paul used on purpose. And Paul's telling them right here, there are things to put on that may not fit you at first. It's going to feel a little weird putting it on. And I showed you guys some pictures of old clothes that I used to wear, the old Jinkos, the old skater clothes, the, the, the big wide leg pants. And, 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 and then like I remember the first time I tried on some, some skinny jeans, I thought I was wearing pantyhose. And it just doesn't fit, physics doesn't feel good at first, but then you get used to it and you don't even remember why you used to wear that. Anyone else know? You're like, why did I ever dress that way? Why did you let me do that to myself? I look at old pictures and think that maybe spiritually we can get there today too. Paul lovingly tells him, intentionally put these things on. Here's the truth we've talked about this whole series. God will not dress you. You are not his dress-up doll. He won't dress you. He can't dress you. He He is bound by his own word, and he cannot live a Christian life for you. He won't dress you. So he can't, you can't just say, God Give me compassion. And then, like, hold your hands up like a kid getting a shirt on. Like, put, put the shirt on me. No, we have to work these things out. It's a mental, spiritual, emotional choice to be compassionate. Today, we're looking at one that's very important, too. And my wife said it last week. If we don't intentionally choose to put off our old ways of living... We will not be a 10, 15, 25-year-old Christian. Some of you have been Christians for decades. You won't be a 20-year-old Christian. You'll be a one-year-old Christian 20 times. Spiritual growth is our responsibility, not God's. He gives us the tools. He tells us what style to wear, Colossians 3, but he won't put it on for us. Some of us need a closet overhaul. Some of us need to take off some things and put on some things. Take off attitudes that don't reflect uh, the Jesus in me anymore. Say, I'm not that person anymore. 
take off those old things, put on attributes, characteristics, attitudes that match who I am now, even if I don't feel it in the moment. Our job as Christians entails putting on a set of attitudes that are compatible to this new life of love. So let's see what our new thread is for today. Let's read Colossians 3.12 out loud together. Uh, One, two, ready, read. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Our scripture said the word discipline. Everybody say discipline. Discipline. Say it like you like the word. Say discipline. Discipline. That, That was like vinegar, right? It just... Perhaps you're thinking, okay, Landon, I got this, like, discipline. Eugene Peterson, the guy that translated the message version, he put discipline there. Okay, I get it. So I'm just going to, like, put my head down. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to grind it out. It's a grit type of discipline. You couldn't be more incorrect. That's not what this word means. This translator used this specific word about the internal motivation of the word. He dug deeper. The word is macrothumia. And the reason why we need to dig into this today is because if we just gloss over it, we miss the beauty inside. Macrothumia is a Greek compound word of makros and thumos. Macro is far, long, distant, or remote, big, like you're away. It's it's far away, but it's big enough I can see it. It's that far away. Thumos is anger, strong, breathing, passion, and passion-driven behavior. What is Paul talking about? Why did he use that word? Because in Greek, there's 12 other words he could have used here. Why did Paul use this word? Here's the definition. It means patience, forbearance, and long-suffering. When those words are put together, it means long-suffering is what King James Version uses. Forbearance is what it uses in most of the more modern word-for-words. Forbearance. This avoids... The premature use of force that rises out of improper anger. Macrothumia. Macrothumia is a steadfastness. It's a, I like this phrase, it's a staying power. It's the quality of being long-tempered, not short-tempered, which is a quality of God, being temperate, long-suffering. The Thayer's New Testament Dictionary says, it's a slowness to avenge. It's a constancy. Bottom line, macrothumia is self-restraint or discipline. And in the context of this scripture, it's discipline emotionally. You and I live in a society where everybody who calls themselves a leader gets a Twitter account. And they just tweet a bunch of ridiculous stuff. And the more extreme, the more hits. And half of it's not true. But it keeps us in this thumos, this passion-driven anger behavior. Because anger sells. And if the people around us can keep us angry, they can keep us controlled. But the Bible says to be macrothumia, to be long-suffering. Discipline 
or long-suffering, disciplined emotionally, carries the picture of a candle that has a very long wick and can burn for a long time. It's on fire. The Bible never says anger is wrong. Uncontrolled, out of control, kerosene on fire anger is, is damaging to people. Macrothumia is the answer to that. It's, it's this self-restraint. It's this long wick. You ever told somebody, man, that dude's got a short fuse. And that lady's got a short fuse. Don't, don't, don't get around her. Don't breathe in her direction. Don't look at her. Don't look at her wrong. Don't look at him. Or don't, don't do that. Look at this. I wrote this out for you guys. Hope it helps. A person who is long-suffering and disciplined emotionally is ready to patiently wait for people to come around. They're full of grace in their words and behaviors and expectations of others. They listen to wise counsel. They make progress and they ultimately will implement change in their lives because they're patient and forbearing, forbearing and responsibility. But some of us have taken that phrase truth and love and gone way too far with it. You ever met somebody and they were just like, I'm just speaking my truth. You ever heard that phrase before? Has it ever, those words ever come from a calm person in your life? Never. I'm, I was just speaking the truth. That has never come from a calm person. And I think the reason why people say those things is to mask the real reason inside why they're getting so angry so fast. And so instead of deal with it, let me point out why you're wrong and get angry with you and throw a couple of Bible verses at you for me to sound true. Spiritually bypass my behavior to point out yours. You following me? That's not macrothumia. We, we, we've got to see what Paul is saying here. Why is he saying that? Because the, the Gnostic behavior of create your own truth created a thousand or a million truths, and now we're competing and we're fighting, and there's anger getting involved, passion, um, out-of-control passion getting involved. We have an obligation before God, everybody, to not be short-tempered, to not be undisciplined in our actions and words and tweets and whatever else there is. We have a responsibility as Christians to be long-tempered with people. We are to forbear them and help them succeed. Now, I know this tastes like vinegar. And I know you're thinking of people right now that are on the short fuse list. And if you're like me, I've got a very much longer short fuse list than people that I want to forbear with. And usually the people you want to forbear with don't even need the macrothumia from you. It's the short fuse list people that need you to put on macrothumia. Because what if God put them in your life for if you put on macrothumia, it could just change theirs. But we don't change anybody's lives by spouting off our immediate thoughts or our short-fused armchair theologian self. Where are we going to go with this? We have to put it on. The opposite. Macrothumia, honestly, is the opposite of how our flesh wants to react all the time. Our flesh gets easily angered. Somebody cuts you off on the highway. I, I know I use that a lot because that's where most of my thumia, my thumos, 
my deep-seated anger, passion comes out is on 281, specifically. Somebody cuts you off, you don't go, oh, wow, I really hope wherever they're getting to, they get there safely. Anybody say that this week? Or did you, like, really regret putting that Purpose Church sticker on your car at that moment? I remember one time I, I brought the church truck home as uh, my, my truck was in the shop. So I drove the church truck for a few days and Kelly had to remind me, there, there are Purpose Church stickers all over the sides of that vehicle, um, you know, dialed down the Thumos a little bit, sir. You know, I was like, okay, okay. But our flesh gets so easily angered. We blow up. We're so easily frustrated. We want everybody to hurry up. When we say things we later regret, we don't give people the same mercy that we demand from others. This is the exact opposite of what God wants us to have when we're facing difficult situations or difficult people. In fact, we're commanded to put on long suffering. It's not a good idea, it's a commandment. If we don't, we're wearing threads that don't match who we really are. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Out of the Cave. And in that series, we are going to follow the story of Elijah and how he went in 1 Kings 18, which is my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, 1 Kings 18, and how he beat 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel by himself and God. And then he took them all to the Valley of Kishon and killed them all. That's a whole other series. And then... After this major victory with the Lord, he runs to a cave and asks God to kill him. He ended up in a dark, deep cave of depression and anxiety. He got one letter from one ticked-off lady, and it threw him into a tailspin. After he had this moment with God, now he was emotionally vulnerable at a level he had never been before. And maybe some of you are like, Landon, I don't know why I'm short-tempered. I don't know why. I I don't know why I'm getting depressed. I don't know why I'm getting anxious. I don't know why I'm getting angry. Well, in Out of the Cave, we're going to talk about it a lot, okay? So if you need some help with that, the Bible actually has a lot to say about it, and, and the Bible is right in how we're supposed to deal with these things in our lives. And so if you missed last year's series called Holy Noticing, this is going to be a, a, a kind of an add-on to that. So Holy Noticing was a nine-week series we did last fall, all about how our mind, our soul, our emotions, and our spirit are not disconnected. They are all affecting each other at the same time. And how we deal with that matters. So go listen to that series if you'd like. That starts next week. It's really important that we learn the lessons within the Bible that could set us free in these these areas. And for today, let me share this simple truth with us. When we try to avenge a situation ourselves, when we're driven by passion and not peace, when we have anger seething under the surface, when our staying power, our macrothumia is all but gone. We are trusting ourselves and not God. When we need other people to hurry up, it's because we, we are so short-fused. Like, be as good as me and be ready on time. When we're, when we're not giving people mercy, we're basically saying, if you were as good as me, you wouldn't have done that. It's this elevation of self that keeps us so angry because what other qualities would you think would be born by worshiping self? 
when we worship flesh inadvertently, I don't think any of you have a shrine to yourself in your home, but the way we organize our schedules, our time, our life, our money, is it indicative of somebody who is really in love with their selves and their attitude and their schedule? Or is it indicative of somebody who has submitted their lives completely to God? When we have these things, these short fuses, these short tempers, we're, we're putting too much emphasis on ourselves. We're taking ourselves way too seriously also, and we're not trusting God completely. We actually think very highly of ourselves, and that's why we get so easily agitated, frustrated, judgmental, impatient. Our key verse in Colossians 3.12 holds so much insight into the question that we need to, this question that we need to answer today. What areas in my life need to be adjusted so they more accurately reflect the attitude of Christ? This is not a supernatural question. This is simply, here's my life, here's what the Bible says, where is the gap, and what do I got to do about it? Because there's a lot in these 66 books of the Bible that are commandments. Colossians 3 holds some of them. We are commanded as believers who have been given, who have walked into this new life of love to put on these things. So we actually cannot, as Christians, call ourselves Christians and treat people as a Christian would not treat them. And so you and I have to look at our ability to long suffer, to long temper, to macrothumia, our staying power, our consistency. One scholar said it was constancy. It's this disciplined constancy. You and I have the responsibility to look into ourselves and find out why our emotions are in control. Because our, our triune being self, our body, our spirit, and our soul, one of them is always fighting for first place. Our body is the body. Our spirit is the part of us that is connected to God and our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. For most of us, that's where we live every day. Social media, make sure you stay there. Because somebody who is following what the spirit says doesn't care what anyone else says, especially online because they're all fake. But when, when we are caring what God says and our spirit's in control, our soul and our body line up to what God wants. That's the only correct way to live a life of peace. But when our soul is in control, our mind races, our emotions are short-tempered. Our will is ours and not his. And then we're wondering why, why can't I live, the, why am I not living like the Bible? Why can't I have all the blessings that the Bible says I can have? It's because there are certain commandments like put on these clothes that we are refusing to do. And so there are parts of our lives that don't line up with the word of God and God can't do them for us. Here's the good news for us today though. The Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Jesus said that if I don't, he told everybody after he walked through a wall and scared them all to death and showed them a bunch of gruesome holes. After he walks through a locked door and scares everybody, he says, hey, y'all need to hang out in this room until this guy named the Holy Ghost shows up. And they're like, how long? He's like, I don't know. And then he flies away. He says, oh, by the way, you're going to build a church, do all this stuff. You're going to do way more than I ever did, so I got your back. And then he disappears. 
And then they're sitting there waiting and then the Holy Spirit shows up. The end of the book of Luke is the beginning of the book of Acts. So if you, John is stuck in the middle there. Um, but Luke, end of Luke is the beginning of Acts. And if you read it that way, you're like, oh, now it makes a lot more sense. The Holy Spirit came. The Bible says that he is the great comforter, the counselor, the guide, the teacher. That person lives in you, the third person of the Trinity. Lives inside each and every one of you. And so if you're thinking, how do I, how am I gonna do this? Well, Jesus gave us somebody to help. As a, and each character trait of that new thread, all these new threads are actually also fruits of the Spirit. And all the Holy Spirit needs from us is our cooperation. And so when we're looking at today, how do we put on long suffering? Number one, how do we put it on? We gotta yield. We gotta yield. I don't know about you, but my driving record indicates that when I see a red triangle to me or yellow, whatever color it is, that means I go faster. Red is stop, green is go, yellow is go faster. That's how I've always lived my life. And so it's very difficult for me, for Landon spiritually to yield. Maybe you're there too. Maybe it's difficult for you to yield because you just want to plow through it. We just want to microwave these answers. I don't want to wait on God. Like, the, what do you mean I've got to yield? But you and I have got to yield to the Holy Spirit on a continual basis. That text message that you want to shoot off in the moment, maybe we write it on an Apple note and sleep for two days on it. Read a few scriptures, pray and ask God, then go back to it. That's yielding. It's, it's slowing down. So ha- here's how we... Here's how we slow down. We, we got to stop. Everyone say stop. We have to slow down. I don't like slow anything for any reason ever. I'm not, I, I just type threes on the Enneagram. Slow is a cuss word. It's a four-letter word. I don't like to slow down. So it's very difficult for me to stop and slow down. But every time Landon doesn't slow down, Landon is wrong. And Landon gets things wrong and hurts people and says things he shouldn't say. But when Landon slows down and lets God take control and the Holy Spirit shows me what to say, it's a totally different scenario. And then we gotta think it through. Not through subjective lenses of you know, what actually is going on in that moment inside of you. Objectively, there might be someone else that could speak truth to it, so ask somebody. Think it through, get some people around you to help you. And then number four, pray, you gotta stop. Slow down, think it through, observe it objectively and pray. Number two, allow. So we gotta yield and we gotta allow. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to produce these fruits in us. My great grandmother always said, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's never gonna force himself on you. He has to be invited in. We have to allow him in. We have to allow him in and here's how we do it. We have to be in environments where the vine is watered. We have to allow the Holy Spirit, you guys, by showing up at church today, you are allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you even in this moment. You did it today. Now you're not gonna have TJ play mood music behind you in the morning when all of this comes back, when all of that anger comes back up, when that thumos comes in. But you, you do have the Holy Spirit inside of you. 
if you stop, slow down, observe it, think it through. Ask somebody, a trusted advisor, a mentor, a friend, one of the staff here. So ask somebody to help you think it through. Pray about it and then move forward. That's yielding. That's allowing. Be in daily communication with the vine dresser. Be in environments where the vine is watered. Small groups start in two weeks. Be in environments where the vine is water. There are going to be dozens of small groups all around the metro area. Get in one. I know some of you drive further to be here. Start a small group in your neck of the woods. It's only once a week driving here. Be with your church all week long. You start a small group in your home. Have a way to water the vine. And these fruits begin to grow. Yield and allow. Everyone say that with me. Say yield and allow. Because the opposite of yield and allow is plow through, force, and resist. We have the choice. So what thread are we putting on today? Every day, Landon chooses to put on clothes. I have a choice of what clothes to wear. Normally, it's shorts and a fishing shirt. It's about as dressed up as I usually get. I have a choice to put on certain clothes based on what I'm doing, where I'm going. It reflects who you are. You've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We're commanded to put on macrothumia. So Colossians 3.12 says, dress in the wardrobe. God picked out for you. Not the Gnostic approach to what wardrobe do I want to wear, What wardrobe did God pick out? Because this is absolute truth. It's not up for debate. What did he pick out? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. All of the attitudes of a believer we've discussed in this month aren't natural to us. I've known some people that I feel like compassion is just kind of who they are. And then I learned their story and I learned how hard it was for that to become default for them. But we can get there. Might take some getting used to, but those spiritual skinny jeans are gonna feel real good in a couple weeks, I promise. It's gonna work because God doesn't make mistakes, amen? And we're gonna get into our response time as we end the, the service. And um, I've got some cards I wanna hand out to you. So they're gonna, they're gonna get those cards ready for you. And I'm gonna ask this question again. What areas of my life need to be adjusted so they more accurately reflect the attitude of Christ. And I'm on the card, y'all can go ahead and hand those out. On the card that they're handing out to you, here's what it says on here. For today's response time, let's evaluate the new threads. Look in the mirror, the proverbial mirror, and ask these questions. So we're gonna put all of them up there for you. The first one, compassion. Who in my life needs a touch of God's compassion through me this week? Who? When you guys as a church touch the hearts of all the teachers and staff and faculty that work here by providing meals for them and and that gift that had all those beautiful words written on it that spoke to a lot of teachers here have it hanging up outside their classroom. We've had teachers come up to us at Meet the Teacher Night and they were crying because they were like, No one's told me thank you for what I do in three years. That was a compassionate touch. You did that. You did that. 
Who? Who is it? And then how can I intentionally be more adaptable? Remember when we talked about kindness <laughs> being adaptability? Basically, kindness is not being a jerkness. But how can I be more adaptable to people? Well, this is just who I am. They can take it. No, there's no take this job and shove it in the kingdom of God. That doesn't exist. It's just a country song. Kindness is adaptability. And humility. Where am I promoting myself out of insecurity and, uh, and pride? Uh, obviously, your mind immediately goes to how much you're lying on the internet. But it might be more than that. Where are you promoting yourself? Are you, are you doing quiet times with God and thinking through your devotionals and then in your mind you're thinking through how you can take a picture of it to show people that you're having a quiet time? If we can't even eat food or talk to God without taking pictures of it, is it really us or are we just promoting self? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Our brains need rewired. What can I do to stop it? And the more severe the insecurity and the more, because insecurity and pride are two sides of the same coin. The more insecure, the, pride, the, the more uh, volatile the pride and the deeper the insecurity, the more drastic the measures need to be. So you got to think through that. The next two questions are about quiet strength. Kelly talked about that last week, meekness. Where have I been personally injured and I'm allowing anger to hinder my spiritual growth? She was talking about things that were injurious to you and that you now have a decision on what you do with that injury. There's some people in this room that have been very deeply injured at other churches. And you could have got online or picketed out front their door, but instead you came here and rested and let quiet strength heal you. So ask those questions. And then the last one, emotional discipline. That was today. As I scan my thoughts and feelings, where am I short-tempered? And it might be something real simple, like you just wake up 15 minutes earlier so the kids aren't rushed. For me, that's what I do. In my house, we call it dad time. Dad wakes up an hour before everyone else, so dad doesn't get frustrated. So everything moves smoothly and everyone gets to school on time. And it works. You, you might be something that simple. Make dad time. Or it might be something deeper and you gotta go talk to somebody about why you're so short-fused. Where are you short-tempered, frustrated, or even angry? Is it at work? Are you angry when you come to church? There might be something deeper there about something that happened to you before. And what steps can you take this week to move toward emotional discipline and long-suffering? So you got it on your card. Those were too many questions to put on the screen for you guys, so I gave you a card today. And I'm giving you about seven extra minutes today for response time. Because I want you to think through these questions. And here's what response time's like, okay? There's gonna be prayer partners in the back of the room. And we do this every Sunday. They're in the back of the room. You need prayer for anything at all. Even in regards to today's topic, please go ask for prayer. Have somebody agree in faith with you over that thing that's, that's bugging you, that's got you locked up maybe, or some unforgiveness or some anger or you need physical healing, anything at all. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we ask you to go tell that person, I want to make Jesus my savior today. And they will pray that prayer of faith with you and you'll make heaven your home forever today. <coughs> and then there's communion at all four tables. There's a card on how to take it. If you're um, not familiar with taking communion the way we do it around here, there's just a little cup and 
looks like a little baby chalice. And at the bottom is the pill, the layer off is a little cracker, and the top there's juice. And it's simply, you're not joining this church, has nothing to do with the church at all. It is simply a believer's remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice for their salvation. That is all. So for those of you that are recovering Catholics, you've had a lot of questions for me about that. This has nothing to do with me. I'm not a priest, not your daddy. This is between you and God, okay? So you can take communion on your own. If you do choose to have someone pray with you during communion, the prayer partner's in the back for you. And there's also cards there on the front. There's some questions on the back, it's empty. If you need more space to write some things down. Well, let's let God speak to us today, okay? Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. Macrothumia. Macrothumia. I'm going to pray over us, and then you're free to respond. The altars, which is elementary school stairs, are open for you if you need to come kneel here as a, an act of surrender to the Lord. A lot of people can even choose to kneel at their chair. The band is gonna sing a little bit. You may choose to worship, get prayer, take communion, do all of it. You got enough time. We'll end church here in just a little bit. But you are in the right place at the right time. We don't believe in accidents at the purpose, church. You are here on purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose and you're here on purpose. So don't let this moment of purpose pass you by. Be purposeful in these next steps you take today, and God will meet you there. He promised he would. He will speak to you today, and it could change your life forever. Father, I pray over these amazing people that today there is an environment of understanding in the room that God is in control. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being in control. Holy Spirit, I ask today that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would show us the areas of our lives that don't match the new us, that don't match the season we're in. God, today, would you give everyone in this room strength and courage to put on some new threads today? Lord, speak to us in a big way through communion, through prayer, down here at the altar as we worship in our seats or we pray with a neighbor. Lord, speak to us today. May we be encouraged for our steps forward from today. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.